0: Today on the Zabe cast on the day the NHL says we got a plan so let's get going. Major League Baseball has suddenly put their entire summer in peril. We've got mandatory masks coming to the Commonwealth. Oh what fun that will be plus an MSNBC crew gets clowned on Lake Geneva. A Central Park Karen showdown that leads to an all-time cancel culture moment and it's all me today so you're in luck. Buckle up, and let's go. Here we go. Uh, But,
1: hey, as they say in hockey, let's do that hockey.
0: Yeah, Uh, let's do that hockey, everybody. Wednesday, May 27, 2020. Thank you for joining me and congratulations to the NHL and Gary Bettman, the first league to stand up and fight, to stand up and march, to stand up and say, we are not going to lie down and die. We are going to find a way forward. Good for the league. There's a, still a ton that's not yet totally settled, but they got a plan and I think it makes a lot of sense. And I think it's going to be great. And I'll tell you why in just a second. The net, net, the quick nutshell of the NHL's plan is this they're going to tell the bottom seven teams in the league, you're out. Sorry. Sorry, not sorry. They're going to take the top 12, East and West. So that's 24 teams. That is much more than they normally take. It's eight and eight, usually. So, you know, it's uh, expanding it by eight teams. So the teams that were on the cusp of making it, they're in. But here's the difference. The top four teams in the East and the West, or the top eight out of the 24, get put aside. And then the bottom 16 play a best-of-five series when the playoff begins with elimination. While those bottom teams are playing their best-of-fives, the top eight teams are playing a round-robin with each other to determine seeding. This is to allow the top eight teams to skate, to get into sync, and to get into practice without the fear of having being knocked out of the playoffs like the bottom 16 teams are. And then they go to a best of five uh, playoff series, and I think once they get to the conference finals, it'll be best of seven, as will be the Stanley Cup finals. They're going to pick two hub cities, one in the west, one in the east, Bettman set on Tuesday that nothing, they haven't decided the hub cities yet. They're still looking at it. They've got time because they haven't yet begun full training camps with the, you know, teams and the players. But everyone assumes Vegas is going to be one of them. And that would be fantastic. Toronto could be the other. The problem is the border and customs and quarantines. Can they work that out? We'll see. By the time July comes. They're hoping to start the season or start the playoffs or I'm sorry, they're hoping to start, I guess, full training camp on the in the first part of July or the first half of July. That was their wiggle room statement. And then they'll start the playoffs, they believe, sometime close to August. And they think they can get the playoffs done in about a month and a half. It would put the Stanley Cup final sometime in late September, depending on the timeline. And that will be fantastic. And here's how it'll be more fantastic. Assuming the hub cities are Vegas and Toronto, and assuming that they play the Stanley Cup Finals in one of the two hub cities, why not have the Stanley Cup Finals in Vegas? And come late September, I am willing to wager a small amount with somebody that there will be permission to have fans in the arena for these games. Maybe not 100%, but 50%, I could see it. Imagine this, Stanley Cup Finals in Las Vegas, 50% capacity, everyone's spaced out by a couple of seats, and you have two teams that are not from Vegas. The Golden Knights could make it, but let's assume they don't. Every fan in America of those two teams are getting their ass to Vegas, and they're going to try to get in that building. Even at 50%, that would be phenomenal. Once in a lifetime, Stanley Cup Finals in Vegas, and... The price of that ticket will be through the roof because it's cut in half the number of fans if that actually happens. I believe, come late September, we're going to be putting fans in the seats. Here's why I look at the curves, I look at the numbers, I read stuff from other countries. This pandemic is going to be like any other pandemic it goes away. Pandemics don't last forever. COVID-19 will rattle around as a virus for some time. It'll be dealt with. The pandemic portion of it, the outbreak portion of it, the paranoid portion of it, it's going to end. Now, it's been very sticky, the paranoia in America. More on that in a second with the masks and whatnot. But, you know, you're talking about three full months from now. Like I'm saying, like come September, the NHL might go, you know what, we're going to let fans in the stands, 50% Stanley Cup Finals. If that happens, it'll be the most spectacular finals I can imagine. Won't be as loud, loud as a full house, but it'll be a mix. It'll be half and half because whatever fans want to get in, they'll travel to Vegas and go there. And trust me, plenty of fans are not going to be scared one fucking bit about going to a hockey game in Vegas in late September. Good for the NHL. They got some stuff to work out still. Uh, I tried to keep my eyes open when Bettman was talking about how the uh, draft was going to go. Oh, my God. I I had asked Scott, my hockey-loving co-host and update man, I said, is there a Sidney Crosby or an Alex Ovechkin in this year's draft that is like a can't-miss thing that they've got to have this elaborate protocol for determining who is going to be the number one pick or which team is going to be picking number one? He said, "Eh, not to my knowledge. He said, I haven't really looked at it, but... It's not like I've heard of this can't-miss prospect or a Connor McDavid kind of thing coming through. So there you go on the NHL. Major League Baseball, oh boy, here we go. Major League Baseball has proposed another way to slice the economic pie or what's left of the economic pie with the players, and according to most baseball writers, it's gone over like a fart in an elevator. Or a COVID attack, coughing, a COVID nineteen coughing attack in an elevator. What the other proposal? What this current proposal from the owners is? We're going to nip the high earners more, and the low earners less. So, in other words, Jeff Passan covers the game, covers baseball for ESPN. Uh, The prorated salaries and then the proposal latest proposal by the owners goes as follows if you're making 285 meaning lowest salary in the major leagues you'd still make 262 if i'm sorry if your prorated salary for the number of games they played this year is 285 the new proposal is almost a full proration 262 so you'd almost get all your money which is what all the players want they all they, All the players want is their full prorated salary, and they'd sign off tomorrow. The owners are like, but we still need more. It goes up to 506 would make 434. Kind of close. A million would make 736. Starting to widen out. 2.5 would make 1.6. 5 mil would make 2.9. So now we're starting to get into the 50% haircut. 7.5 would make four. $10 10 million would make 5. Now we're doubled. 12 million would make 6. 15 million would make 7. Wow, we're really widening out. 17 million would make 7 million dollars. And I'm not even sure where it goes above 17 million. The players are pissed. According to all the baseball people, the players are pissed. This could well have put the baseball season in jeopardy. I hope they pull back from the brink. I am now more scared than ever that they won't because of the fact that, well, it's baseball. They've got a history of having flushed the World Series. They've got the muscle memory, even though it's from long, long ago, 1994. Not only are all the players gone from 94, but hell, much of the owners are gone from 94. But when a sport has played absolute death politics, what, what's the word? I'm about? When it, when a sport like baseball has played to the death on money, and they have flushed a World Series and they have wiped out another half of a season after that, I just think the possibility of them saying, "Well, you know what? It's just not worth it for anybody." So we'll all take zeros and we'll see in spring training next year. Hopefully, if there's not COVID-20 that comes out next winter or COVID-21. You know it's named after the year, right? It's not named after how many different versions of COVID, SARS, COVID-2. Okay, you got that. You're smart. You know what's going on, people. We'll see. Also, we got schools now chucking sports left and right. UConn could cut as many as eight of their sports And of course, there's a number of people blaming it on their ill-fated dive into football. Football is very expensive for schools like UConn that don't kill it and aren't in a big conference. It can actually be a money drain. But a lot of it is just the money is drying up and the money is going to (laughs) be... The economic tsunami that is coming at colleges is unbelievable. And if you think they're going to tell students, don't come on campus we're going to remote learn, they're going to worsen their pain. That's why I believe there's almost a 100% chance that all major universities have kids back on campus. Now they're doing some tricks I understand that I guess Colorado said they're sending their kids home 3 weeks early. They're not starting early, but they're sending them home 3 weeks early and they're doing the last 3 weeks online. Me personally, I'd say, "Well, where's my th- where's my refund? Where's my rebate?" For those three weeks of non-on-campus learning, but the reason that school, you know, schools are already you know throwing stuff overboard, like oh shit, is foreign students. My wife, who uh, follows the Chronicle of Higher Education, sent me an article that pointed out there's a ton of stuff that makes money for for schools all summer long: conferences, adjunct programs, summer camps, and whatnot. That's all wiped out, and the Biggest thing that is hitting these universities is the lack of foreign students. Foreign students won't be able to come in the fall because the world is still not flowing smoothly, and the foreign students pay full price. So that insane amount of money that they list as the sticker price for whatever university you're sending your kids to, as you well know if you've got kids, $60,000, $70,000. When your kid goes to pay it, they go, Ah, guys, this, this is not 60. It's 45. We well, gave give you a $15,000 discount. And you're supposed to feel good about that, right? Scholarship this, program that, assistance aid, beep, 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 take it down 15 grand. Foreign students, oh, full fucking price. Cash cow for the colleges. And they're getting hammered on that. And all of this will accelerate and cascade if schools don't let kids back on campus and if they do not play football, which it looks more and more, and we're still three months out, they're going to play football because they got to play football. Even the Pac-12, their commissioner, Larry Scott, who's a he's adult, worst commissioner, but even he said, look, The way it's going, it looks like we could have students back on campus and a training camp in early August and on a glide path for a normal college football season, albeit perhaps with some crowd restrictions. We'll see about that. So keep your eye on the upcoming carnage in college sports, which totally sucks for student athletes in non-revenue sports. There is going to be a wipeout of programs that will make your head spin, make my head spin. And for every parent who's got a kid who is excited to go compete in college in a non-revenue sport, I am genuinely sorry. Now to other news. The the Central Park Karen episode to end all Karen episodes. This involves, at a minimum, three wrongs, maybe four wrongs. And I'm not sure there's any right involved in it. A woman and her dog... We're walking around a part of New York City Central Park called the Bramble, and she had her dog off the leash. And I won't give you this woman's name because she's already suffered enough. It doesn't matter. Her name is out there, and you will you probably know this story already. A guy comes by and says, you're not allowed to have your dog off leash. She said, but the dog runs are all closed and it's too dangerous elsewhere so I'm letting him get off leash here in the bramble. But the guy is like, "Well, uh, he's not supposed to be off his leash." Then he said something like, "I'll come over and I'll offer him a treat and he'll come over to me." And the 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 woman didn't like that either. So, at this point, she gets very triggered. And this is a grown-ass woman, by the way, who had a good job with Franklin Templeton funds and now is out of a job, but she then decides to pick up the phone, threatened to call police and started making up a wild hysterical tale that included his race. Even though she said the politically correct term, African American, it was clear she was using his race to a threaten him like, Oh shit, she's going to call the cops on me and I'm black as well as to try to incentivize the police like, hey, it sounds like a white woman who's being attacked by a black guy in Central Park. We better send some cruisers down there. It was a despicable, pathetic, and desperate act by this woman. So there's two wrongs here. Number one is the male Karen shouldn't be like, hey, he can say you're not supposed to have your dog off the leash. But nobody made him park monitor. So unless the dog is bothering him, fuck off, Karen. Keep it moving. He also should not have lured the dog over with a treat. That's not cool. That said, she was wrong about the whole African-American thing and calling the cops over a non-incident. And she was wrong in that she's grabbing her poor dog by the collar and just yanking it off the ground. And the dog is clearly distressed. She's freaking out. She pulls her mask down to call 911. And it was a whole debacle. Here, let's let you take a listen to the audio, and then we'll post game it. Will you please stop?
2: Sir, I'm asking you to stop.
1: Please don't come close to me.
2: Sir, I'm asking you to stop recording me. Do please, please don't stop.
0: come
1: close to me.
2: Please take your phone
0: <laughs> off. Please don't come close to me. All right, first of all, does this not sound like the biggest fucking pussy-ass Karen-off you've ever heard between a man and a woman? Uh, please don't come close to me. Please turn the phone off. Please don't come close to me. Fuck has happened to society, people?
2: Sir, I'm asking you to stop.
0: Please don't come
1: close to me.
2: Sir, I'm asking you to stop recording me. Please don't you come close to me. Please take your phone off. Please don't
1: thing. come close to and me. And I'm taking
2: pictures. calling the cops.
1: Please, please call the cops.
0: Please call the cops. Please call the cops. I'm
2: gonna tell them there's an African-American man threatening my life.
0: Please tell them- the- Oh, listen to that. Your privilege is showing, ma'am. Whatever
2: you like. Excuse me?
0: Takes her mask down. Poor dog. Fucking want to kick her ass for the way she handled her dog. And by the way, she's lost her dog.
2: I'm sorry, I'm in a ramble, and there is a man, African-American, he has a bicycle helmet. He is recording me and threatening me and my dog.
0: Not true. No threats.
2: There is an African-American man. He repeats I, <laughs> it. He is recording me and threatening myself and my dog.
0: The dog is freaking out right now as she is yanking it off the ground inexplicably. You fucking deranged bitch. And my... Did you hear the dog say that? I mean, it's funny. I'm a dog owner now. I'm super sensitive all this stuff.
2: Myself and my dog. And my...
0: Oh, that breaks my heart right there.
2: I'm sorry. I can't hear you either. I'm being threatened by a man in the ramble. Please send the cops immediately. I'm in Central Park in the ramble. I don't know.
0: Thank you. And then he stops filming. Fast forward throughout one day, 24 hours, if that. She's fired. Franklin Templeton has to issue, you know, a statement saying she's been fired and the dog has been taken away from her. The dog should be taken away from her. People are, of course, losing their minds and causing her and and saying, you know, death threats and other, you know, just the usual Twitter talking shit. And you just say to yourself, how do we get here? If I could go back in time, I would somehow destroy the ability to put cameras on phones. That's the one key linchpin to all of this, is I'm going to record you and report on you. Oh, yeah, I'm going to record you and report on you. And then it goes back and forth. Uh, There is a thread by a woman by the name of Tracy Beans of uncovereddc.com, and I thought it was very, very thoughtful. She said, I was disturbed at how she escalated and changed her story while on the phone with police, ending in a wildly hysterical over-exaggeration of the situation that she clearly engineered for several purposes. One, to scare the daylights out of the guy filming. Two, to get the police to respond to what she was falsely claiming was a life-threatening situation. There are probably a lot more problems with her. Uh Aha. Exactly. I was equally disturbed at the way she handled her dog. The dog was clearly in distress. It was alarming. Agreed, agreed, agreed. Then she says, but go and read the comments after these posts. It was it gets scary. The outrage about the video grew until someone finally doxed her, meaning found out who she is and what she does. And everyone she knows. It didn't stop there. By the end of the day, her employer had responded by firing her. Actually they first put her on administrative leave. And then they fired her. Then there was a Facebook post that I guess was from the guy. Uh, Yeah, here's what the guy wrote. Central Park this morning, this woman's dog is tearing through the plantings in the ramble. Me, ma'am, dogs in the ramble have to be on the leash at all times. The sign's right here. Woman, the dog runs are closed. He needs his exercise. Me, all you have to do is take him to the other side of the drive outside the ramble and you can let him run off off leash all you want. Woman, it's too dangerous. Man, look, if you're going to do what you want, I'm going to do what I want, but you're not going to like it. Woman, what's that? Me, or, or man, to the dog, come here, puppy. Woman, he won't come to you. Man, we'll see about that. Ms. Beans goes on to say, him being in the wrong doesn't erase the fact that she is clearly an entitled, stuck-up, virtue-signaling, holier-than-thou elitist snob. Her being in the wrong does not erase the fact that this dude thought it was okay, though, to say what is in the photo below. And that is, we'll see about that. I'm going to come lure your dog away from you. She goes on to say, look, the woman losing her job, she gets fired. And the mob mentality is absolutely terrifying. The flaming pitchforks are alarming. And I agree. Because today it's her, tomorrow, who knows? Could be you. Anyway, she says, this woman clearly has issues, clearly is probably sad and alone and right on the edge. Now she is in a much worse spot of just mental anguish over this. And so, yeah, I can understand and be sympathetic toward that. Of course, the last nugget from the story is she's a huge Democrat supporter. I mean, big time. Doesn't fit the narrative. Can you imagine a MAGA hat-wearing woman or a woman who was, her Facebook and social media was filled with Trump stuff if that was the case? It would have been all over the place. So the wrongs I count, one, I guess her dog was off the leash. That was wrong. Two, the Karen who was playing park police. Three, uh, him trying to lure the dog over. Four, her handling her dog that way. Five, the privilege and the racism of, I'm going to call the cops on you. And then six, the online Twitter mob. Seven, the wrong of the company not having any mercy or any grace or any ability to go, she's on leave, we're going to bring her back in and she's going to undergo training, sensitivity training. She's not a bad person. She had a bad moment in a pandemic where stress is running rampant. They didn't do that. They just throw her overboard because Mm -hmm. they don't want to deal. Franklin Templeton doesn't want to deal with the online mob. But here's the thing. It never lasts. These online mobs, they never last for more than a quick news cycle or two. It's just crazy to think this is where we are now. Meanwhile, in Virginia, the governor is ordering masks in all public places starting on Friday, except if you're under 10 years old, except if you have a medical condition, except if you're exercising. And he also points out that the that law enforcement will not be enforcing this mask rule. It will also not be a crime. I guess you can be fined. I think he said that the health department was going to administer this enforcement of the mask rule. Coming from a guy who was out without a mask taking fucking selfies. Close-up, violating the six-foot rule with Virginians this weekend. And I hate the people getting selfies with the governor. I mean, what? Lemmings? Oh, the governor. Yes. great. And the fact that this guy's career should be fucking toast. Having found a photo of him in blackface, or was it in a hood? I forget which one he was. It was a frat party. It was in his yearbook at Virginia. One dude in a hood at a party. You know KKKos costume, and then another guy in a blackface outfit. and he survived it. He survived it because the lieutenant governor, well, two things. one, he's a Democrat. So Democrats survived a Republican not in a million years. Secondly, the lieutenant governor, who's black, also a Democrat, obviously, had like several serious sexual assault charges leveled against him. And they're like, if we get rid of Northam, we'd have to elevate this other guy. And Is it Gillum, actually? I'm not even sure. Let me see this. Deputy. Good work, Zabe. Dep- well, I want to get this right. Deputy. Ver- Wait. L- no, he'd be lieutenant governor of Virginia. And so they were like, yeah, we can't put this guy in charge. Uh, Justin Fairfax. That's the gentleman's name. Yeah. So they're like, oh, tight spot here. Well, let's just let's just see if it goes away. And sure enough, it did go away. So now we're almost, let's call it, let's see, March 11th would have been the start of the pandemic, the official start of the pandemic here in the U.S. with the cancellation or the postponement or the suspension of the NBA season and everything freaking out. And we're how many days away from June 11th? Uh, Eleven days, carrying the ones. So, 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 so. Let's just call it we're seventy plus days. Seventy days into the pandemic. Pandemic now, our governor, go, Dr. Blackface, Dr. Doc, uh, Dr. Hoodie, has declared we got to have masks. Even though the smartest man on pandemics, Dr. Fauci, said the following back in March: United States
1: people oh. should not be right now in the United States people should not be walking around with masks. You're sure of it? Because people are listening really closely to this. Right now,
0: people should not be walking. There's no reason to be walking around with
1: a mask. When you're in the middle of an outbreak...
0: Which, by the way, we're not. We're at the very tail end of it. Just go look at the fucking curves.
1: Wearing a mask might make people feel a little bit better, and it might even block a, a droplet. But it's not providing the perfect protection that people think that it is. And often there are unintended consequences. People keep fiddling with the mask and they keep touching their face. And can you get some schmutz sort of staying uh, uh, inside uh, uh, there? Of and- course, of course. But when you think masks, you should think of healthcare providers needing them and people who are ill.
0: Now, I've had people say that's out of co-. In fact, somebody sent me an article. Old Dr. Fauci comment on masks being taken out of context. I blocked that guy on Twitter. Goodbye. I've been th- throwing people in the lake by their britches, left and right. Goodbye. See you later. Well, you don't want to look. Take it out of context. That was on 60 Minutes. That's a 45-second clip. He doesn't say, look, we don't want the public buying surgical caliber. or We don't want the 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 public buying N95 masks. If you want to craft your own, that's fine. It could help. He didn't say that. No, no. He gave an articulate, impassioned, 45-second clip argument against masks specifically on 60 minutes. There's no fucking out of context with that, okay? Stop it with this nonsense. You gotta debunk the debunkers that are saying, well, I didn't mean that, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, the governor now says masks in Virginia. I uh have had no problem wearing a mask in the grocery store, put one on to go into Chipotle. Generally speaking, I don't mind it, but now that it's going to be mandated, I kind of got a bug up my ass. I kind of don't want to comply with this. I feel like it's my duty to have civic noncompliance. But then again, I don't want to deal with Karens that are inevitably going to descend upon me. (laughs) Where's your mask? And store owners. I feel bad for store owners. Store owners are going to have to police this because they will fear the wrath of the state coming in to shut them down if they tell their customers, yeah, you don't really have to wear masks. Apparently, you're not going to have to wear masks while eating. Or drinking, which, I don't know, implies this is going to last through the summer. I mean, do you know what it's like in the summer here in D.C.? And the thought of wearing a mask on top of that? Get the fuck out of here. Personally, all the places that I would go and need a mask, eh. I don't need to go there. Like, It's just fast food places, quick serve places. Uh, I would assume playing golf, I don't have to wear a mask. I think that's, quote, exercising, right? Am I going to have to wear a mask when I get out of my car and walk up to the to the clubhouse and pay my greens fees? You never pay greens fees. Well, you get my point. When I go to ask, uh, you have me comped here? Yes, thank you. You have me comped on the roof? It's so fucking stupid. It's just unbelievable. And here's the thing. When it comes to masks, this is the perfect Little anecdote. We take you to a little place called Lake Geneva, Wisconsin. Beautiful place. MSNBC is decamped with their Karen-like reporter, some male dude in a mask, of course, noting how nobody walking around had masks on until one dude busted. Are
1: the people there just not worried about it, Cal? Are they not worried about their own personal...
0: No, no, we're not worried about our own personal safety, you dumb bitch anchor. No, we're not paranoid about this thing. We make our own decisions. We're grown-ass adults. Are they not concerned? Worried about it, Cal? Are they not worried about their own personal safety? Or are they too stupid was the implication from Ms. East Coast Reporter.
2: I haven't met anybody who is. I met some folks actually from Lake Geneva who lived in the area. They were staying a few miles outside of town where I were. And they said they're worried about it. They're worried about that second spike. They're worried about folks coming in from Chicago. But they'll quickly add at the same time, this is a place that relies on that business. I think people here want a little bit more funding when it comes to these programs so that they could.
0: Oh, yeah. People want more funding. We want more funding for these programs. I guarantee you, nobody you interviewed said we really need more funding. Just a talking point for them. Stay
2: closed, but again, I think people felt like the Supreme Court made the decision here in Wisconsin that it was time to open up. But you can see here, it's just around, nobody's wearing them. Nobody's, uh, the cameraman. there you, you go, including the, the cameraman. Yeah. Katie. Because <laughs> the cameraman was
0: not wearing a mask. And a dude in a Devontae Adams Packer jersey busts him. And there's this and he had his cell phone recording and he showed the cameraman without his mask. so MSNBC can't claim that wasn't the case. One of the two crew members was wearing a mask, but that is fucking hilarious. yeah, no one's wearing a mask just like your camera. it was
2: time to open up, but you can see here it's just around. nobody's wearing them. nobody's there uh, you go, including the cameraman. Including go, including including the cameraman. Yeah Katie
0: yeah. <laughs> It's all such bullshit. It's just unbelievable. Got an email here from Nick Yelich in Wisconsin. Said he's not happy with my energy on the radio on 97.3 The Game. Dear Zabe, rather than use your radio energy to encourage people not to social distance and not wear face masks, why don't you do something positive? Okay, I get it. Business can be open, his air quotes, and people employed while still maintaining virus protocols. Yeah, but Nick, open is not profitable. Restaurants will still lose money at 25 to 50%. The costs of maintaining and making sure you're doing everything according to the government's protocols cost money. But you knew that, Nick, because you're a smart guy. The governments all over the place probably reacted too strongly and didn't consider how to keep people employed safely. I don't even know what that sentence means. But to now encourage behavior that is selfish and a danger to many is not a good look for you. Man, that sentence packs a lot. I'm encouraging behavior that is selfish and a danger to many, he thinks. It's not a good look for me. So he's appealing to my look like, oh my God, what do I look like? I I look like an ass. Oh, my God. Am I not in the good graces of Nick Yelich? The knuckleheads who are stuffing bars, pools, parties, and the like don't need your help and encouragement. Well, then maybe you're arguing against yourself there that little old Zabe is not increasing the number of people who want to, what's the thing I'm looking for? Oh, that's right, live their life freely. I am very disappointed and I'm weighing my desire to be a regular listener in the future in the Milwaukee area. You had a good show going. Sincerely, Nick Yelich, Economo Wisconsin. To quote the great Powers Booth, and I forget what movie this is from, well, bye. I love that. I'm very disappointed. I'm weighing my desire to be a regular listener. Oh, shit. Really? You might not listen. Oh, my God. Uh, Let me reconsider. Here's the bottom line. And if Nick hears this, that's fine. If not, that's fine. This is not my religion, brother. This is yours. Stop trying to force me and others into it. There is no scientific proof of the effectiveness of either social distancing or Anything less than a tightly fit N95 mask. Nothing. This is your religion, like others' religion. And you're trying to co-opt the rest of us into it, and we're not having it. In fact, there's a country in Europe, I forget which one it was, Denmark, Sweden, Netherlands, wait, that's the same, isn't it? Uh, Norway, uh, somewhere else that said that they are dropping the social distancing edict because they said it's a suggestion. It's a suggestion. Don't don't bunch up if you can if avoid it. But guess what? I believe we're not a social distancing country and not a social distancing society, and I don't want to be part of that. It's not how I'm going to live my life. I'm not going to be afraid and apart from people. I'm going to be in the crowd with people, high-fiving, bro-hugging, bouncing up and down, At goals scored in Stanley Cup finals games, getting drunk, falling all over blackjack and craps tables and living fucking life. I ain't going to be part of what you think is the right or safe thing to do. The whole phrase selfish and a danger is something else. That's a key component of these people's religion. The shame and conformity and fear is staggering. And I don't know if they're aware of it. I don't. I almost think that they think, well, it's the big deal. I might have the Rona. Like the the whole thing is like, I might have coronavirus and I might give it to you and you might have a bad outcome. And there's a lot of mites along the way. And these statistical odds, even if you got it, are 99.8%, you're going to be okay in the end. 99.8%. And that's too much of a risk for guys like Nick Yelich. And that's not even counting the fact that that's only the percentage of people that get the coronavirus. So there's a huge chunk of the population that will never get it. I'm going to guess at least 50% of the U.S. will never get the coronavirus. It'll be gone by then. Or we'll have herd immunity or it'll just fade into the background. So you could lower that by another half. But because I might, ha- might have it, and I might give it to you, and this mask might work, and you might have a bad outcome, you must do it. Or I will shame you, and I will write you an email saying, I, bad look for you, I might leave you. Bye. Therefore, I must conform to your fears? No. It's amazing this resonates with people. And I just don't get it. Someone else said, "Well, it's like the, it's like no smoking." You know, mask laws are like no smoking. You have no right to blow coronavirus into my airspace. That's not how it works. You don't own the airspace. A business can say we don't want smoking in our business because it is a noxious burning pathogen. That we can control for, but not viruses, not this virus, not the cold virus, not the flu virus, not the next virus. You want to own your own airspace, get a fucking bubble helmet That's it. and get a full breather. Now you own your own airspace, congratulations, and go through life that way. Anyway, Nick, Godspeed to you, my friend. There's nothing else I can say. Now you know where I stand on this, as if you didn't already know. All right, I got a bunch of emails here. Let me just try to get through. But by, by the way, my new normal, here's another thing. My new, my new normal is the old normal. And my new normal is the March 10th normal. The only exception is going to be that every fearful, sad, illogical, paranoid, mask-worshipping dummy, I'm going to make sure to just steer clear. I'm going to make sure to kind of carve them out of my life. And just, I don't need to be around them. I don't need them as listeners. I don't want them as followers on social media. And I'm not going to respond to their emails. Bye. See you later. And I'm afraid that's going to include some family members. And maybe some people who are friends. And maybe some of you out there. It's choice-making time. And I wish you no ill will. But you should maybe go listen to somebody else that conforms to your worldview if you don't like my worldview. But the Big Ten era of me in public and me in private, that's over. The Big Ten era where I try to just you know, work get along neutral. Let's stick to sports and whatever. This is too much intrinsic to our way of life for me to just ignore it. This was a flip the cards moment in my lifetime. Where, okay, the dealing's done. Flip your cards. What do you got? Here's an email from Ken Guckenberger, partner at a law firm and Denver does a great job emailing me, very smart. He says, Phil Mickelson's career arc is fascinating. In U.S. sports history, who has turned from being a heel, essentially, or a bum that couldn't win to a relatable, smart aleck, likable guy more than Phil Mickelson? He's Ferris Bueller with a titanium driver. Never liked the guy. Now I find him entertaining. Tiger is still the best player. Mickelson, his best days behind him, is some hybrid of Lee Trevino and Fuzzy Zeller. Excuse me. Credit to him and his PR team, insider trading and gambling addictions seemed to be behind him and didn't cause any damage. Other late in their career sports personality changes might have been Bill Walton as a Celtic, Mike Tyson as a rehabilitated non-rapist Mike Tyson, Kobe, though not my kind of guy, but I think he was well-liked by Gen Y and Younger, Rodman, and now A-Rod is trying to turn that corner, but I'm not sure it's going to succeed. And then a couple of emails about Solly. Oh, I miss Solly. I miss Solly now at this time more than you can imagine. Solly is my cynical brother in arms when it comes to nonsense. Would have been having a field day with us on all this coronavirus stuff and the blatant political hypocrisy. Oh, by the way, Governor uh, Gretchen Whitmer's husband went up to their lake house. Maybe not in violation of specific orders, but she said, yeah, he went up there to rake some leaves. Get the fuck out of here, will you? Apparently he asked the boat the, the, the boat house that puts boats in the water, could you get my boat in the water? And they're like, yeah, we're three weeks behind, pal. Not This weekend not happening. And apparently he said, well, I am the governor's husband. Does that matter? And they're like, yeah, no. No, we still can't get it in the water. And he apparently then said, okay, fine. And I guess he drove up there. But still, that is rich. Sally would be having a field day right now, and I'm sure Sally's having a field day on his own podcast, which you should subscribe to. But these emails stun me. Connor Hammond, Solly's return. Zabe, have you talked to your program director about this? What's the game plan moving forward when sports opens up again? You guys got to bring him back. The show doesn't work as a pair. It works as a trio, with all due respect. With all due respect, Connor. You don't think I fucking know that? You don't think that I wouldn't want him. You don't think that I wasn't as stunned and gobsmacked and disappointed as the next guy that they said, yeah, we can't afford him? Of course I was. And I don't think guys like Connor understand the grave spot our industry is in. I mean, the economic hangover is coming, people. I hate to be a a harbinger of doom in that regard, but fuck, things are going to be bad. And sports talk radio, not essential. Not essential. I wish it was. It's fun. I love it. You love it. Not essential. Then there's this email, Jeff Bailey, longtime listener, fan of yours from the days in Charlotte and WFNZ. Enjoyed the show over the years, dedicated follower, team not eighty app, close to same age, blah, 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 blah. Then he says, I've given the new lineup a good long chance to grow on me, but I have to tell you that the secret sauce of the Zabe show has been upset since Sally left. No fucking kidding me why do people email me this how clueless and dumb are you it was a delicate balance of quick comments and the obligatory suckers that made me laugh on a daily basis as did me and i missed the commissioner for life yes who teed up solly for that bit and encouraged that character to come out me i know it's probably hard to get the bean counters to understand this (laughs) yeah i'm gonna go in and start saying "Man, you gotta get my producer back As the bean counters are saying, is our company going to be in business? Do Do we have to sell stations? Do we have to file bankruptcy? That's what I don't get. Do you people listening not understand the fucking stakes and the peril right now? Our business is sports talk radio. Sports is down and will be down for months. Secondly, advertising. What's the last thing to come back after a recession? Or worse, like this. Yeah, you guessed it. Third, live events, remotes, restaurants, bars, games, tailgates. Hello? This is where we make our money. And people email me, oh, show's not so good. You talk to him about bringing Solly back? the fuck is wrong with you people? I mean, with all due respect, Jeff Bailey. I'm sure you've heard from others as well, but I wanted to register my official complaint and air my grievance. Air it with me? What, what the fuck good does that do other than piss me off? Keep up the good work on the show. You said you don't like the show. And hopefully we can create a groundswell to get Sally back on the saddle, in the saddle, and again, refusing any help from station interns. Okay, that's a joke. I get it. Jeff. Call management if you can reach them. And I don't think you will. And I don't think they're going to fucking care. Do you understand what we're facing? It, It is way larger than this. I can assure you that it's not hard to envision a bigger problem than this that could come if we don't get on our feet and start playing sports and living as a country again. And I guess that's exactly why I've been so involved in this, invested in this, reading about this, and pissed off about all of this because I think there's too much of the country that is just, oh, la, 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 I got my job, everything is fine. The cascading ripple effect of, oh, fuck, didn't see that coming. Meat prices, meat supplies. Uh, Pools in Milwaukee, I guess, are going to be closed for the summer, not because of fear of the coronavirus. Can't find lifeguards. Why can't they find lifeguards? Because the lifeguards that... Were hired and trained, because you got to train them. You can't just put a monkey up in the chair. They're making more on unemployment. Unintended consequence. Making more on unemployment. They're like, fuck it, I'm not going to work. Why would I? Unintended consequences are going to start cascading and crashing and cascading and crashing. Because the idiots that thought, well, we'll just put the economy on pause. That dumbass Fauci said, well, it's an inconvenience that we're shutting down the economy. That's what he called it, an inconvenience. You don't put it on pause and say, okay, everybody stop in place and then start the record up again after a month, two months, whatever, and say everything is fine. The economy is like this giant, beautiful cruise ship that is steaming along the ocean at 25 knots and then hits not just an iceberg but hits like a a, a, a street light or a pole or an oak tree and gets carved in half and people are flying over side over the side and business and everything gets disrupted and the internal gears every complex system of a economy like the US economy gets fucked up and it's not going to be fixed overnight and you got to go scoop up the 40 million people who are out of jobs one by one and they're not all going to be scooped up sorry my yelling Mets six, Nationals two, Syndergaard with the victory, Scherzer with the loss. God damn, I wish I could be talking about this stuff right now. Do I have something happy to end on? Do I have something happy to end on? Well, let's find something, shall we? This is a good one. This is a good one. State SUNY students... State University of New York students told coronavirus tracing gigs are unpaid <laughs> after applying. Hey, I thought you were going to do something funny. It is funny, actually. It's really fucking funny. <laughs> They basically recruited a bunch of students from SUNY Stony Brook and said, be a contact tracer. It'd be great. We you $27 per hour. And then they go through the application, they get it. And all of a sudden they're like, oh yeah, no, we're not, we're not paying for this. <laughs> this is what government does. People, they fuck shit up. They are incompetent. The government is for the most part. And get this. Remember those skate parks in California that they, uh, filled up with sand Well, guess what? A whole team of young people, of Utes. I'm here looking at the video with buckets and shovels, cleaned them out, swept them out in basically no time whatsoever because they're fed up with it. The government is not good at anything complicated. They're good at taking a government bulldozer and dumping sand into a concrete skate park. That's about the level of their expertise. Anything more complicated, I mean, contact tracing, Would be, if they try to do it, very complicated. Guess what? It's going to fucking fail. Because government is not competent at that kind of stuff. Sand in a skate park, they can do that. Get the truck, get the bulldoze. So, shred on, dudes. Gnarly, man. That's not what they say. All right. Look at this. I've rambled on too long. This episode either sucked the biggest suck ever, or you liked it. One of the two. I welcome feedback on this particular podcast episode, I don't welcome feedback saying, when's Sally going to come back? And do you know the show's no good without him? I don't welcome that at all. That does nothing but trigger me. So please don't send that. But if you say, hey, I wouldn't mind one solo show per week. And when we get out of this, it's not going to be all this, you know, coronavirus political talk. But, you know, if you want me to do one show a week, that's just me. I can do that as well. Thank you for downloading. Keep your head up. We'll get through the madness. We'll navigate around it. Don't forget, we've changed to Red Circle. If you get a chance, cancel out of your Libsyn subscription for Fridays. Resubscribe at Red Circle. You get 12 months for the price of 11. Best of all, get your Zade delivered to any platform, any device that you like. Quality content is worth paying a little bit for, and I appreciate you guys doing that with me. Rate and review so our algorithms. Smile upon us and tell a couple friends who like something interesting to listen to with no bullshit on a Monday through Friday basis. Have a great Wednesday, and we will see you tomorrow.
1: All like a a you doing the we'll... At Vanguard, this is more than just a retirement plan. This is your cappuccino date in Italy, the beach house with the matching bicycles. It's your rental car down memory lane and weekends reuniting with friends from over the years. This is the future you imagined, and Vanguard is here to help you build it. Because at Vanguard, you're more than just an investor. You're an owner. Discover the value of ownership at Vanguard.com. Fund shareholders own the funds that own Vanguard. Vanguard Marketing Corporation Distributor. Hear that? Is that America cheering or a sausage patty sizzling to perfection?